Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She's an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. So, what an interesting week or two it has been. Uh, yes. So, so you know, we... As the breadwinners, we get to talk about anything because, you know, we're all trying to earn money Mm -hmm. and as earners for our families, it impacts all aspects of our lives. That's the main thesis of what we're doing here. And so kind of thinking about how the news, you know, comes back to us and and how we process it in in our little tiny corner of the world as to and I'm going to I'm going to blow your mind here, but we're two white women. Uh, talking about these. <laughs> I was going to say, breadwinning impacts all aspects of our lives, as does <laughs> us being two straight, cisgender, middle-aged white women. With, <laughs> it's like, both with two kids, with, with a boy and a girl. Kids. Like, Oh, yes. Okay. So we are, and now the only difference is that your kids are younger than mine. I know, it's a big difference. <laughs> We've worked really hard to get over <laughs> To this bridge difference. the gap. To bridge the chasm, the gaping chasm. But here's, that's the nub right? Is that our networks, naturally, all of us, all of us humans, like we naturally lean into people that are like ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think um, in terms of breadwinning, the reason why we were thinking about that this, this week is that those networks are the form informal groups around you, which become can become the formal groups around you, as people come to you and say, hey, do you know someone who can help me with this? Or I'm looking to hire that. Who do you go to? I, you know, I go right in. I really want to help and I want to offer someone and um, say someone and say, this person's a good egg. That's always my, <laughs> that's always my, uh, my big uh, recommendation for anybody. If they're a good egg, I'm going to pass them along. But if my good eggs all are middle-aged, cisgendered women <laughs> buried with two kids, Yeah, then it's always going to look that way when I suggest someone. That, and so am, am I helping, you know, so so that's what I think. I think these networks then become our work works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think for, you know, one other reason that I was thinking about it this week is because we are eager to hear so many different voices. Um, right on the breadwinners podcast. And that was, you know, when we first introduced our podcast, we, we talked about the, you know, the range of data that exists on who are breadwinners. What does breadwinning mean? It's not just middle class, middle age. <laughs> like there's just breadwinning, you know, we've got that corner. What does it look like? <laughs> what does it look like? Um, across race, across gender, across class, like right. what does it look like? Um, or across, um, sexual orientation across. I, so I, I think that, you know, we do have some folks in our network who, who can kind of broaden the spectrum of what we're talking about, but we, we want to find more and we, we want to invite more people to come and talk yep. about their experiences, which is 
side note, um, we're welcoming anyone who is interested in sharing their breadwinning story with us here. Um, you know, please reach out to us. Uh, but I think that we notice right? yeah. isn't it true that our networks tend to, I mean, it, it's not just me feeling that, that no, no, no. So no, absolutely not. And I think there's, you know, there was a great, um, book written by someone named, uh, a, a sociologist named Beverly Daniel Tatum. She wrote, why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? That is the title. Um, and one a of very things- descriptive and spot on uh, <laughs> title, by the way, it right? Is. I mean, you, it is. you totally know what she's going to uh, tell you about and you've experienced it, you know it. So I love it. Good job. Well, you know, as we're saying, as we're going over that, what comes up in my mind, the mental image. So I grew up in the Boston area and we, um, you, there was a famous court case around Boston busing. So busing yep. kids from inner cities of Boston out to the suburbs of Boston. And, um, and so it, there was a program, it was called the Metco program. And they brought, you know, buses of kids from Dorchester out to this suburb of Boston. And, you know, we, we, knew as white students living in that town, we knew that, you know, they were coming from this downtown um, place where they, you know, their resources weren't as good. Like they actually had um, in Lexington, um, that's where I'm from. They had uh, like parent, like local parents who were there. Um, So without going into this too much, you know, they would sit together in the, in the lunchroom. And so would we, and, What's interesting is like, how much did that one, you know, when I think about myself as a white woman who thinks about race and is very conscious of that, like I've had this experience where like, I didn't think about being bussed in from somewhere else, right? That's shaped my, like everything in my experience has shaped that. And so anyway, I'm just thinking about how we, how we, how that, that is very how that world builds up around you. It I does. Think, like right? one, one piece at a time. And I think, and what Beverly Tatum was talking about um, was that social scientists like herself who research cross race friendships found that white, white Americans want to talk about fun stuff. We want to be chill. Right. So like me and my yeah. friends at that Lexington high school table, were like talking about drama club and like talking about whatever. And like, and I don't know that my that my peers um, at the table from the Metco program were, were talking about something that different. But but what she's saying is that the opposite of fun for white Americans is talking about race and race and racism. Mm, right. Yeah. So and the studies show that black Americans do want to talk about race and social justice, especially with their friends. And and the burden of doing all the talking and teaching and laughter usually falls on the person of color in the friendship. Right. Um, exhausting. Yes. You know, because so, so basically what Dr. Tatum is saying is that if we want to have cross-racial relationships, if we want to build a network um, across race, across class, um, we, we need to be willing to talk about stuff we don't always want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's so interesting because I, today, um, and we will see this in the news, the, or you will, you will know what day we recorded this. The uh, mayor of DC painted um, a yellow Black Lives Matter going from Straight like down to the, to the high, to the White House. Right. And so, you know, my, I said to, I was on a text chain with a, uh, a couple of my friends, one who, 
is an activist who is black American who um, who works in the DNI space. And I said, like, cool, like, <laughs> like it's cool. I think it's very cool that she, you know, that she did that and that she took the initiative. And we got kind of into a discussion about it where she was sort of saying to me, like, she was sort of educating me, like, yes, that's a fantastic symbolic gesture, but like, it doesn't bring me any joy because it doesn't include firing, sentencing, and defunding police. Sure. Like, people right. are dying. So it's a chill thing. Yeah. And, it is, and what a, you know, geez, you know, it's like, man. oh, that's really, that's really <laughs> cool. And she's like, yeah. And then she sent me a tweet that said, this is a reminder yep. that DC Mayor Bowser is increasing police budget by 19 million. Beautiful streets, though. Like, you know what yeah. I think? But so that's just an example of, um, you know, she is my friend who is black, who I happen to also work with, who, you know, had to take that moment to like tell me, hey, like it's hey, not about the symbolism. Yeah. Right. It's- like, so I, I think that's just, that's kind of, you know, it happens on so many different levels and it happens yeah. in ways that are a lot more insidious than that one interaction. But I think it's a good example of like, Hey, you know, look, it's symbolically great. And, you know, and my friend who is black is reminding me like, yeah, hey, symbolism is, doesn't count for yeah. anything. So, I mean, yeah. I think that's, that's a well, and, and they always piece. say, you know, we talk of, in talking a lot about, um, you know, DNI, you know, diversity and inclusion, though I'm now seeing uh, DEI. Do you see that? It the- is div- diversity, inclusion, be- equity and belonging. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I, I love it. You know, like it just keeps, you know, whatever. It gets bigger and and the like. And you know, these corporate initiatives always mutate and change, and then go back and all that. But you know, we're always talking about um, in hiring. You know, having diverse hiring panels, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, requiring you know the really companies that are trying to have diverse uh, candidates. Um, I love the ones where, you know, they have to, to the diverse hiring panel, explain why anytime there's not, you know, diversity in the, in the candidates that they put forth at that level to make a choice. And, and, and these, these, these levers that say, uh, no, we can't just always lean back on the the same pre- people we always know. We do have to try a little harder, and and we want these companies to to try harder to find the first level of management, the second level, going all the way up to the top. And it, and it takes work because the people who are doing the hiring tend to all look alike, you know. And and so, and you know how it happens in your own life. That's you know I I have said, you know, like I have a, you have a shorthand with the people you went to college with because, you you know, you know, oh, you know, were you North campus or South campus or you, oh, and then you go even smaller. You, I went to journalism school, you know, oh, you went to my journalism school, then you know what the Medill F means. And so that shorthand makes it very easily and, and it's great. Please do. Um, and, and have that wonderful network and connection, but it's when it keeps growing and it's bigger and, and I really feel it comes into play in moments of, um, stress, like, oh my goodness, I have a job that I need filling right now. And so I don't have time to do the diverse hiring panel. I don't have time to do. So if you don't have your own personal pipeline filled, you're just going to lean back on uh, hiring yourself, you know, because right. I, I get it. So I th- just how this stuff perpetuates. It's it's maybe it's like laziness on our part, 
I guess. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's, I think certainly there's laziness, but there's absolutely um, unconscious bias, you know, at play all the time. And so there's a book that I, that I want to recommend. It's called Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan Cotton. Um, And she is herself an academic, um, a black American academic who um, is talking about breadwinning and, and she has a social media, like a thought leadership profile um, publicly. And then she obviously has her, her scholarship um, in academia. So she, she was looking at what she had written and she was saying that 3% of 1.6 million faculty members are black. Across this country. I think that's the number of women uh, creative directors in the advertising industry too. What's the deal with the 3% number? It's true. We do. That's right. Because they have the 3% conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so this, in 2012, this woman, Catherine Milkman, um, and she and a couple other uh, colleagues whose names I'm not going to butcher at the moment, um, they looked at, they had a study that was looking up, looking to determine the role of race and gender in professional advance, advancement, specifically in the word, world of higher education. And the paper's called What Happens Before? A Field Experiment Explore, Exploring How Pay and Representation Differentially Shape Bias on the Pathway into Organizations. So this was in um, May 2012, but what they looked at was they used 20 names that could be associated with different races or genders and assigned them to these perspective, fictional, fictional perspective doctoral students. Okay. And they they used those names to send identical emails to 6,000 professors asking them to discuss their research and doctoral programs. So that's, I mean, so it is really a networking outreach, right? They're not asking for a job, although that would be the, the, you know, the next possible. Yeah, you hope you make a nice connection and, yeah. Right. Um, And the responses varied significantly based on, and we'll, we'll, we'll include a link to this in the episode um, summary. So you can take a look at the data, but it was, I mean, a very significant difference based on the presumed race of the fictional candidate. Right. And so, you know, I think, so it's, it's laziness, but it's, or, and it's also, we, you know, the laziness maybe, I think there's, there's, you know, just from the get go, right. You know, like it's bias. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think laziness, you know, when we're in this heightened state, like you said, we, I don't know if it's laziness or we just kind of like, it's this kind of panic that's laziness kind of makes me think there's some kind of agency. Maybe it's so subconscious, but, but, um, but it was interesting. So you don't want to walk up to someone. Could you be my black friend? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I think but what was interesting was in her she did an interview um in the Atlantic, uh Catherine Kath, Catherine, yeah, Milkman, um a few years ago, and she said, I think the best advice is to realize that by helping your network, you are hurting other groups. Which is really interesting. Rather than feeling like it's crazy to acknowledge that two people with slightly different resumes might have had slightly different opportunities, maybe you need to recognize that even if their CVs look slightly different, maybe the person who had fewer opportunities is actually going to be a better candidate. 
Right. I mean, and, and don't we all feel that we, we know that you, I mean, we've all feel that intuitively when we are up against someone who has more opportunity, but you know, you know, you were scrappier and you know, you, so we all know that we all know that feeling internally, intrinsically for ourselves. It's, you know, and yet we, we often, it's, it's the thing where you're judging people on the weirdest, (laughs) yeah, without getting to know anyone, which, you know, is, is, is that's a real problem. And, and, and I think when it comes professionally, you know, this past week or so, mm-hmm. uh, I feeds in the world of people looking for writers, people looking for editors, people pitching stories or wanting essays, all of a sudden it became, uh, we need voices of color, like everywhere. Every single, I, I swear, there was one where um, it's a weekly roundup of like freelance opportunities. It was essentially every single one was looking for voices of color, and mm. awesome, right? On one side, yeah, terrific. But it it smacks of uh, it's it's Women's Month, it's uh, Women's History Month. So now we're going to work on women, or right, the, right. you know, the, um, it's it's the year of the woman in Hollywood. Now go away. It's yeah. the exact. It's and 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 so I could say that you know I'm high and mighty, but I'm also someone who's looking to find uh, a freelancer to help me on a project, and I'm thinking of this too. Like who who do I know beyond my network of yeah. the same ten people I would go to all the time? How can I do this? A, but also B, I I do know I you know you don't have um, I know how hard it is to hire, and I know that you you know these staffs are totally. Um, stripped down. And so you, you end up going to your same, you know, four dependable people over and over again. But um, I guess I I just say to this, my world of people in publishing, that now that you have these names, that you really do need to continue to feature them and not just when there's trouble, you know, uh, on all things. Or just in February, right? Because I was looking up articles, recent articles about studies that were published around, you know, around diversity, inclusion, belonging, around race, um, specifically around African-Americans. And it was like all February. Like it was like really, and like some of the stats were so shocking. It was like, really, we're only talking about this because it's Black History Month. Like, do we, you know, I think one of the most important pieces for us to, you know, remember or to be thinking about is like, this has just, it's not like something just happened. Like it's been a crisis throughout and yeah. we're just, you know, because journalism is, because we don't have enough people of color, um, you know, reporting, because they're not getting the time, the exposure, the airtime that that they should be, we're not hearing the stories that we should be hearing. I mean, it's yeah. just, it kind of, it from does my head point, uh, Again, I guess I've just been very focused. I mean, who's not focused on the news right now, but, but in how the news is being called to task you know all yeah. good hearted and I, and I am I am pro reporter all the way and that is my first love and yeah. I know how freaking hard I've I have friends who got tear gas this week friends mm-hmm. who got shot at this week pepper sprayed so um but you see how uh uh word choices used and when we were talking with uh Christina Blacken in our last episode about it's it's how the nar- narrative is shaped and mm-hmm. part of your saving yourself from making these narrative shaping decisions for headlines, um, they used to call them cut lines, the captions under photos, and just word choice, which can be so powerful, is that you need to have different voices 
around mm-hmm. you and say, oh, mm-hmm. oh, 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 because, you know, you just kind of stroll along with your lovely, you know, I grew up on, in a small town on the west side of, of Cleveland type of mindset. And it's like, wait a minute. Okay. Right. This reads funny. You know, if you read it this way, it's, it's, I think you need to take another stab at that headline. Oh, yeah. okay. Because the Times, New York Times, oh, is yeah. uh, facing That's that right so now. Yeah. Uh, saying, hey, you guys, you know, was this, cog- did you do this with a conscious thought, the way right. you encapsulated this in like 10 words, or did, did you really not think it through? And so their staff is rising up and saying, hey, I need you to think it through. Yeah. And, and you know, that happens when you have more voices to say, uh, let's make sure we get this right. Make, yeah. you know, and get it right from all points of view. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at um, this Columbia Journalism Review uh, article uh, that was talking about um, journalists of color having basically a second job. Uh, it was this guy, Van R. Newkirk II, um, who was a journalist of color who, you know, really talked about how in addition to being a journalist, a world-class journalist, yep. um, which is you know, tough enough, let, amen you know, to you for, for without, saying it. <laughs> I mean, there's no real guaranteed protection against discriminatory policies and attacks on the free press. And we've seen that. We saw that with Oscar Jimenez, yes. um, Omar Jimenez this week. Um, I, you know, he basically said, I find my own jobs, my own second job as urgent as ever. And he said that, you know, a couple of years ago, but I, I can't imagine he feels any differently. Now he says, I read clips and identify rising stars. I reach out to those reporters. I mentor more students than I probably have time for several times a week. I give out guidelines for how to pitch, you know, and, and he says, yeah. uh, you know, we're building something with that second job, which is this new generation um of journalists of color, of Black American journalists, of Asian American journalists who are going to come in and really share their voices. And I think, you know, what strikes me about that is our friend Van R. Newkirk II, you know, he is a person of color. And so how do we, you know, what does it take for us as, as we've to come full circle as, you know, straight, cisgender, middle-class, white, professional yep women breadwinners, how do we keep ourselves aware of, of our own privilege? And I know that's, that's a conversation that we're talking about a lot around white women, which we, you know, which we need to keep talking about. And we need to think about how we recognize institutional privilege, how we recognize, I mean, we've all, we've a lot of work to do white women, but there's one thing I wanted to bring up that I, that's just been so impactful on me. I see it. We use it uh, at work or my colleagues use it at work all the time. And it's, um, it's this woman, Peggy McIntosh, who's the associate director of Wellesley College Center for the Research on Women. She is white. Um, and she has a list, and it's called The Daily Effects of White Privilege. Um, and she said, I decided to try to work on myself by identifying some of the daily effects of white privilege in my life. Um, and basically what she's trying to do is say like, what experiences do I have that, that my, that I take for granted that my African-American coworkers, friends, and acquaintances um, can't count on, right, right? On most of these conditions. So it kind of, you know, when I think on that, that Metco um, busing example and the kids at the different, at the different um, lunch tables, I mean, that for one was something that I did not as a, 
14 year old freshman, like, you know, I, I didn't even realize that I ha- that I wasn't getting on a bus every day um, yeah, and going right. to a school district where it was like, you know, not my race, mostly not my race for sure. Um, yep. It was, you know, there were different races, but not mine. Um, you know, that, that was, sorry, that's what an experience of someone um, coming in the busing program would have experienced. Um, I didn't even realize that, you know, that I, that I wasn't having that experience that they were having. So she, she has this huge list. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know. I think there's, I don't actually even know how many of these, cause there's been, um, so many added on to it, but, uh, you know, some of the things that she said, uh, are really like these statements that I don't even think we've heard about. And, and I wanted to just, or we've thought about, and I wanted to say one of the ways that we do this that's really powerful is you have people of all races um, and genders and sexual orientations um, stand in a line. And then you ask these questions and you ask everybody who has not experienced this to take a step forward, um, which is it, it ends up becoming like a very powerful picture. Um, you know, it says, I can be sure that my children will be given curricular materials that testify to the existence of their race. If I want to, I can be pretty sure of finding a publisher for this piece on white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can be pretty sure of having my voice heard in a group, which I'm the only member of my race. Um, You know, these are, these are, these are some of the more, honest. I mean, I can't even say innocuous one, but there's some like, have you ever been like, I can be sure that when I'm stopped by the police, I don't need to be scared when I'm stopped by the police. Right. right? Like, or, um, you know, I can do something, you know, if I do something that is somehow unbecoming. So she says, I can talk with my mouth full and not have people put this down to my color. Right. Like all of these ways in which we are privileged, um, and we can make this list available also yeah. um, a link to this on our, on our uh, episode site. But I think that, you know, one of the ways that we, we can begin to sort of recognize the biases that we have and hopefully, you know, when those resumes come in or those doctoral prospective doctoral students um, contact yep, you know, the, 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 our version and our yeah. fields, right. Of our, of the prospective yep. doctoral students contacting to, to contacting these people with much more um, experience in the field, you know, maybe if we're more conscious of the bi- the many privileges um, that we have, we're going to kind of curb the biases right. and be clearer about about the effort that we need to make to to include people um, in our networks who are not like not us, up. who do not yeah. look like us, who do not have the same experience as us, and yeah. you know, I think that. That means we have to have these conversations. What? Could still be it still could have gone to my college and that would be okay. That's true. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, you don't have to have like nothing in common with people. You just have to I mean, you just have to yeah. be able to talk about, I mean, have the hard conversations and stop being such yeah. a chill white person. Um yeah. as yeah. Dr. Tatum would say. <laughs> I actually don't think she said chill, but, but yeah, I, I, I like, think- I like that. Uh, I, cause I've never been chill, but I've been dorky. I've been goofy. I've been silly, but I don't know if I've ever been chill, you know? So true, true, true. Well, 
Thank you for joining us. Hey, chill. We can all be chill on the pod, on the podcast for the breadwinners. Uh, whether you're a chance or choice breadwinner, we hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us and that you'll share your own story at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Just like Raquel is talking about, we do want to hear from you. So please do. How you make it work, we'd love to know. And I want to add to that. I've, I've had people come up to me and say, well, I, you know, I'm not the main breadwinner. I don't carry the family you know, I don't have the benefits, but I, you know, but I'm, but I'm hustling and I'm working really hard. Um, and you're a breadwinner, right? You're a breadwinner. Like, come, you know, come share your story. This is not about, you don't have to be the primary breadwinner. You're a breadwinner because you're hustling. You're trying to work and raise kids in this horrifying time. See, that's our bias. We, I, uh, oh, true. Not necessarily you know, raise kids. Yes. No, kind of. I mean, that's the people I know. That's what happens. You get yeah. married, you have kids, you start to like fade away. But, but no, it's it's about breadwinning. It's yep. it's about it's it's about the fact that we all work, we all hustle, and it it does impact the impacts how we how we hang out. You know, the friends we have, the the philanthropy we do, the protests we're in. Yep. It, it 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 impacts everything. So, absolutely. So. So send us send us your stories, um, reach out to us, but also remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. If you feel like, let us know what you think about this episode. How, you know, what, what questions you have for us? How can you challenge us? Um, how can we... How can we do better? I think we we want to tackle the topics and the stories that mean the most to you at a time that is absolutely chaotic and crazy and terrifying. But we we, we are here for you and we're going to keep telling the stories that matter most. So until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.